0: Joining us for a conversation is Michael Dufresne, President and Principal at Apex Geoscience, a company providing professional geological consulting, exploration management, and technical reporting to Canadian and international clientele. Mr. Dufresne, thank you for joining us today, sir. Good
1: morning, Maurice, and thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, it's a great morning and heading into fall
0: here long overdue interview i understand you've been out in the field as of late so thank you for accommodating us with your busy schedule you know uh just to set the tone here can you please provide the audience with a a little background on your firm and how you fit into the development of mining projects
1: sure so apex geoscience is uh, a full service Uh, professional geological consulting firm. Uh, I'm one of the original partners that started in 1992, and uh, so 31 years. But we actually flowed out of another consulting firm in Edmonton named Trigg, Woolett & Olson. And um, they started their business back in the 70s. I joined in the middle 80s. And I've worked with a lot of still work with a lot of those people from the 1980s. So um, we also have um, provide services boots on the ground exploration right up through feasibility uh, reports. Um, we provide personnel for mine site underground and open pits, and I myself have a lot of exploration that goes right from grassroots green fields type exploration right through to mining. Um, and particularly in the resource environment. Um, So yes, a wide breadth of experience and um, for geological services to the mining sector.
0: Well, I have to ask you with 40 years experience and boots on the ground, looking at a macro perspective and the geopolitical events that are occurring right now, what are your thoughts on the natural resource space? in particular, you know, not just the precious metal prices and the base metal prices, but just for someone who's investing in resource stocks? What are your thoughts on the prices? Because I think a lot of us are on the impression that the prices should be higher under these environments.
1: Yeah, look, um, wow, 40 years, I've seen the bottoms, many bottoms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, look, from my perspective, I see, you know, I was I was a little frustrated with the mining sector in the late 90s, early 2000s, with a real bad low that we had there. But this move to an electric society, Uh, across the world and it's not just you know north america it's the whole western world and even a lot of third world countries this move to electric um, means more metals it's it's a sacrifice it's it's a trade-off here we're trading hydrocarbons in for metals we need metals to to conduct electricity and to deal with ev type uh, applications and um, there's no getting away from it Um, So I'm quite bullish about where our sector is going. The market has been awful for junior mining companies right the last six to 18 months. Um, But gee, gold is still pushing $2,000 an ounce, copper still $3.5 a pound, and it can go a lot lower, but it can go a lot higher. And my expectation long-term is that um, I think we're still in for a long-term resource bull, and particularly critical minerals, battery minerals, Uh, but even gold with the geopolitical situation where it is. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty fired up where the future goes.
0: So what you're basically saying is don't complain about a sale.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that that's exactly right. I mean, I think, I think actually right now for the mining sector, we have actually pretty good metal prices. It's a buying opportunity, honestly, like Mm -hmm. pick your five or 10 best stocks that you follow and like, and you like the people it's a people business so important about people and buy them and hang on to them don't be looking for short-term gains right now it's uh it's a difficult market um you've got to buy these and hang on to them for a while
0: and we're going to highlight one of those said value propositions later in this interview but uh, let's get back on topic here now you stated your team has worked on numerous projects and most recently one of these projects is now being put into production by b2 gold at its black river goose project which hosts an npv of 1.1 listen to this ladies and gentlemen billion (laughs) okay walk us through your involvement on the project
1: yeah, certainly. So, Trig Woollett Olson, the, the 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 sort of founding uh, consulting firm that I work with out of Edmonton, actually were the discoverers of this project. Um, they worked. The principal a gentleman by the name of George Willett, worked with um, uh, Echo Bay Mines, uh, put Lupin into production, and uh, Lupin was the was the cash cow that allowed Echo Bay to develop into a, a mining giant for twenty years before it got taken out by Kinross, um, 30 years. Uh, And um, they did this uh, little reconnaissance project in the northeast part of the Slave Province and made the initial discoveries at George Lake and Goose Lake. And um, I worked, I came, I was employed by Trigwell at Olson as a senior geologist um, uh, in the middle 1980s and went on to be the chief geologist for the project, for the entire project uh, through the late 1980s. Look, it's a discovery team. There is no one of us that's responsible for discovery. It's always a team. And there were a team of a half a dozen people, but I I specifically worked at Goose Lake and Boot Lake and George Lake. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting. This is the Arctic. It takes 40 years from discovery to put it into production. That's not unusual for a gold mining operation. It takes big lead time. And I know that's going to lead on to another question. Um, but, you know, look, I, I spent a lot of time there, where, was there when the first resources were being defined. The, the company subsequent have done a fantastic job and taken it, you know, one step, several steps further than we did. Um, and it should be a great project and it should be a cash cow for B2 Gold, honestly.
0: Well, that's a big, big feather in your cap. And now your team is working on another feather, if you will, on one of the largest prospective land packages in British Columbia for grizzly discoveries, which includes multiple historic mines and resources. What led you to this historic mining camp where 8 million ounces of gold and 700 million pounds of copper have been mined?
1: Yeah, sure. That's, um, it's an Echo Bay related uh, story as well. Um, went to visit the Republic Mine, which is basically the the mines on the south side of the border. The the Grizzly Package is right up against the U.S. border and it borders the Republic Mining District. The geology is the same across the border, 50, 50 miles south of the border to 50 miles north of the border there. And uh, Echo Bay was putting several little epithermal Um, deposits into production in in the late 1980s. I went down and visited, we did some work and had a lot of discussions about the same geology on the Canadian side of the border, but not a lot going on. There have been some, there are a lot of historic mines, but not any real exploration, modern exploration going on. And that's happened, I'm I'm telling you, there's been very little real modern exploration uh, for 30 years there in that district, in the Greenwood district, which is the district I'm talking about. Grizzly has over one hundred sixty thousand acres there, and you know that's one of the secrets to a, a good project. And um, this is no different to Back River. Back River has that kind of acreage, a hundred thousand or so acres. Um, you know, having big land packages is very important part. Uh, it's not just about um, having those couple old mines; it's about having a package to explore, and. Um, you know, I see a lot. of have seen from the nineteen late nineteen eighties when I first visited the Greenwood and Republic District uh, to today. I see tremendous potential there, um, both with from the historic mines, but also the package and the geology that's there.
0: You know, you referenced the word "big." I would say colossal. One hundred sixty thousand acres—that's <laughs> massive.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a, it's it's, a, it's effectively. What is it? Twenty-two thousand acres in a township. So you know that's it's yeah. effectively eight townships. Um, you know, to put it in in, in U.S. Yeah. land terms, it's a hu- it's a huge land package, and that's allowed us to do a lot of systematic exploration. And look, the rocks are not that well exposed. There's volcanic cover rocks. It's not easy exploration. It's highly treed. It's all treed. Um, so you know, it's it it takes time and. We've been slowly um, getting our database in great shape, doing the work that should have been done many years ago, um, and doing systematic exploration that hopefully that will lead to discovery.
0: Now, as mentioned, the historical mines in the Greenwood District include many historical mines, open pits, underground workings, you got ore dumps, and that for various reasons stopped production. Now, can you explain some of the reasons why these historical operations left some of these high-grade ore bodies? I'm talking about economics, technology, and geopolitics.
1: Sure, absolutely! I mean, the the so the, the main um, mining con- going concern in in uh, the Greenwood District um, is the Lexington Golden Crown Mines, and um, there was a mill constructed. Um, there was an underground constructed in the middle nineteen nineties at Lexington. Uh, in 2008, Merritt Mining um, decided that they would—they, um, you know, obviously from the middle 90s, the construction there. We hit $250 gold. We hit less than a dollar a pound copper, and they—they um, they basically um, went into receivership in the late 1990s with the downturn in metal prices. Mm-hmm. Subsequent to that, Merit in the in the middle 2000s, 2006. 2005, recognized the potential of the area. Uh, Merritt Mining bought uh, bought the properties, uh, built a brand new mill in 2008, and put Lexington back into production. Um, they put it in production. They were funded by a fund out of Europe, who also was funding an African venture. And um, they didn't have a lot of capital reserves. They were making concentrates and sending them to China and um, in October of 2008, we all know what happened. There was a collapse in the financial system in the markets with the mortgages. And um, that fund in in uh, Europe that was funding merit and the project went under, um, completely collapsed, and uh, they had no cash reserves. And so they shut down. They, they had only been in production, they had been in trial production and official production for about two months and trial production for about eight months um, and they had to wrap it up and go into care and maintenance and so 2008 was the last um, restart and you know they have a brand new tailings pond. they've got a brand new mill, basically ran less than a year and they've got a, a six to eight uh, ten year permitted tailings pond. so they've got all the permits in place um, about 2017 golden dawn 2016 golden dawn cut a deal with the group that bought the thing out of receivership, and they started some expiration and we're looking at a restart. Um, but honestly, the the, the CEO um, had a had a uh, unfortunately had a health problem and had to, had to back off the company. And um, again, that company now has basically gone off the board and into receivership because um, it just has not been able to raise the money to to get this thing restarted. So there's been all the reasons but the price of the metal that um but the prices of metals that have really caused problems for that for that particular um, operation and that that's sort of the cornerstone because that's got a brand new mill in the tailings pond and you know even if if grizzly were to produce you know we would be looking at toll treating through that mill or potentially in future, we might look at hopefully going after that bill, But that's in the future, and and we may or may not be able to get that mill. But it's a cornerstone of what our plans are there. You
0: know, speaking of the future, with your experience and your work to date in the Greenwood District, do you see the development towards production as a short-term or a long-term prospect?
1: Good question. I see both. I see there's potential for a short-term Uh on Grizzly's land alone, there's there's several mines that we are planning on drilling and putting resources together on. We have old what we call development dumps in Australia. We refer to this as mining bullock, um, but they're dumps effectively, and they're not waste dumps necessarily. They're development dumps. So they usually they were they had a lot of low grade material. in. let's let's face it in 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 the um, you know the 1900s right up to the 2000s, what was being mined was you know, half ounce gold per ton type material to ounce gold per ton type material. Um, today we mine a lot lower grades. And so the development, this is why everybody gets focused on sometimes these dumps, is this development war where they developed in the low grade trying to get to the high grade. Often can be, you know, it can be a tenth of an ounce per ton or a quarter ounce per ton. Um, there's often a lot of good material in these dumps and there's there's literally hundreds of thousands of tons of dumps around the Greenwood area, a number of which are on our lands, but also on some of our competitors' lands.
0: Well, that's interesting. So, but from a time perspective, could this be less than ten years? Oh, I would suggest um, the permits are still
1: active for the Greenwood Mill and the Tailings Pond, and and from the work that we were at one point doing for Golden Dawn, you know they they were pretty confident with some upgrades to the mill that they could be in production in a year. Um, and I see enough near-surface or at-surface um, gold-copper, and it's it's designed for gold-copper, so we would be going after both copper and gold. Um, they There are enough uh, surface showings um, to surface pit opportunities, as well as these dumps. Um, that could get into production very early. If you've got that mill up and running in 8 to 12 months, I think you can identify feed for it for a year while you've got your undergrounds going on a couple of the of the targets that do have tremendous underground potential.
0: Well, that's a very compelling proposition. So less than 12 months, you could be in production. But what that really does, if for someone listening, is it allows the organic growth to occur without the share dilution. And that is a strategic competitive advantage that you have that many of your peers in the space don't have. And that's something you have to take a a, be very cognizant of when you're in this space is what are the competitive advantages that each company has compared to their peers? Um, In reference to that as well, just oh, yes, sir. You want to comment on that?
1: Yeah, so I agree. I mean, I have one year to get the mill up and running, and you know, I would say in in a, in a time frame of two years, you could be well into production and funding your expiration out of production. I think there's also the long term potential to find multi million ounces there, and um, you know, that's that's the end game. Uh, and what Grizzly has been doing is looking for the big deposits, and you know, Phoenix was one of those. It was a one point two million ounce. 700 600 million pound uh, 600 million pounds of copper and i don't think they got it all that's that's that was that's from the early 1900s to the 1970s mined under some pretty difficult conditions for metal prices and i think there's still a lot there to find both at phoenix and in our ground so you know i think there there is short-term production potential to fund exploration and then there's long-term you know big big uh, NPV-type potential on, on, a big, on a big discovery.
0: Oh, we're looking forward to it. And, and full disclosure, Grizzly Discoveries is a sponsor partner of Proven Improbable, and we are proud shareholders. And adding on to the shareholder list, of course, is, or I shouldn't say adding on, but the CEO, Mr. Brian Grizz Testo, has been buying shares recently in the market. You can look that up on SETI. But may I ask you this as well, sir? Uh, do you have a position in the company as well?
1: I do and have been accumulating, not selling.
0: <laughs> Likewise, same here, sir. Last question, sir. What did I forget to ask?
1: Oh look, I think I think you I think you covered it fairly well. The um one of the things maybe a little bit of the history, would talk a lot about the Republic District. Well, that was where Hecla got its start. Uh Hecla uh, mined two million ounces before Echo Bay ever, ever arrived in the district. And the famous Republic mine is where Hecla got its start. Um, so this geology is very permissive for finding good-sized, high grade gold deposits that can can basically be company makers. Uh, I think it was in the case of Hecla, certainly certainly helped Echo Bay along its path and certainly could be for companies like Grizzly and, and other juniors that are exploring in the area.
0: And the website for Grizzly Discoveries is grizzlydiscoveries.com. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're we're honored to have Mr. Dufresne here. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, sir. Wishing you Apex Geoscience and your partnership with Grizzly Discoveries the absolute best, sir.
1: Thank you very much, Maurice. I've really enjoyed it and happy to come back again in a few months when uh, hopefully... Over the next six months to a year, we'll have some decent
0: drone results to report. Looking forward to it, sir. Thank you very much. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness,